0: Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, the podcast designed to grow young ministers. This is Tim Lucas, and with me today in our virtual studios is Ryan Goff. Nigel Ali is MIA as of now, but Ryan is here. How's it going, Ryan?
1: It's going good. Just uh, missing me some Nigel.
0: Yeah, and uh, you're off work, right? (laughs) I'm off work. I am. You're off work for paternity leave. I'm off work packing, getting ready for a move. Future Tim here. Just wanted to point out that this episode was actually recorded about a month ago. So when I say I'm packing for a move, this move has already happened. I am now in Defiance, Ohio, and I've been here for about a month. Also, Ryan is not still on paternity leave. That would be a long paternity leave. Back to the episode. But um, t- today's topic, we're talking about ministering to a culture you're not familiar with. And in in today's society, I mean, it's like the world is just shrinking smaller and smaller. And it's basically unavoidable unless you're ministering in a town of like 300 people in the middle of, I don't know, maybe a town on the top of a butte in Montana, maybe. I don't know. You probably still would have some cross-cultural component there. But anywhere else, you are going to have cross-cultures of people that you are dealing with that are not of your culture, likely one you're not uh, familiar with, at least at different times. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and assume that none of us are racist. I know on the podcast here, we're not, but even our listeners, we're not even going to address that because racism is just so antithetical to everything Christian. If you're racist, do yourself a favor and and pray and repent. There's one race biblically and... we're just going to, I'll leave it at that.
1: Well, I think the goal, you know, the goal of our churches nowadays is we want to be as culturally diverse as possible. You know, when we look into our congregations, it's a blessing to see a diverse group oh, of for people, sure. um, you know, and and that means that we're reaching. So that the, you know, this is a, a very important topic that uh, that we're talking about today because um, it should be relevant in all of our churches.
0: Definitely. And I think even looking at Paul, I mean, it was obvious he would minister to anyone um, from the very beginning. Right. They, you know, the the church, it was like they, they were supposed to go into all the world. Jesus told them to, but they got stuck in Jerusalem. So Lord's like, okay, fine, you can get persecuted and then you'll run. And so they ran and, you know, and and even Ethiopian eunuch, and it's just from the very beginning, cross culture was a part of the church. And we see Paul even saying that, hey, you know, yeah, I'm a Jew. So, when I'm with Jews, it's natural for me to be a Jew. But when I'm with a Greek, I do my best to be a Greek with him. Not in the sense of, you know, take on all the Greek religion and all that, of course, but as far as culturally. He said, when I'm with a slave, I I do my best to, to relate to him as a slave. When I'm with a... Uh, a free man, I, I I relate to him as uh, someone that God has freed from the bond bonds of sin, and so he he shows this um, attitude of, and I guess this is the first point of cross cultural ministry is that we try to relate to people on their level, not that we're trying to morph right. into something that you can't tell is different from their culture, but someone who who easily fits into their culture. I agree <laughs> I don't just want to go on a rant. <laughs> no, I, I think it, it's okay. I,
1: um, you know, the, the, the cool thing about Paul was that, you know, he spearheaded this and he, he really let the spirit lead him. And he, because he had that mindset, I mean, he was just so effective wherever yeah. he went. That and his tenacity for, for sharing the gospel and, you know, getting Jesus to the sinners and the, the Gentiles that, that didn't know Jesus. Um, or at least the way they needed to know him. But he really was, the, it, he really is the one that we need to look to as far as, you know, how can we, who should we shape ourselves or form ourselves after? And man, Paul, Paul's definitely that example that we need to follow and look to. And he wrote most of the New Testament. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff to, we got a lot of stuff there, For yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> and Paul's a good example that you don't have to compromise. And I think one thing too, um, that always helps me, and this is kind of hard to describe, My dad used to always draw this square. It's very similar to anything. uh, There's different names for it, but basically like Benjamin Franklin would. um, And it's a four square. And on top, he would write culture. And on the left side of this, you know, it's like a four pane window. So basically a square with a cross in the middle, dividing it into four smaller squares. And then so on top, it would say culture. And then on the over the left column, it would say, Yes, and over the right column it would say no, and then on the left side of the the overall box it would say Bible, and then on the top one it would say yeah. Over the top smaller square it would say yes, and then beside the the bottom uh, row I guess would say no. And so what is obviously there? There's some things that culture says yes and Bible says yes. Those are easy for us to do. I mean, that's things like don't murder. Most cultures say don't do that. The Bible clearly says don't do that. Um, don't lie. Or, or Well, I guess those are negative. So that's the thing culture says you don't do. Bible says don't do. Um, then, the, then there's things that both culture and Bible say, yes, you should do. And those are things like honor your parents. Most cultures say you should honor your parents. The Bible clearly right. says that. Be honest. Pay your bills. Um, so nobody has a problem with obeying the Bible. And those... Um, parts. The problem is where it's something where it says, culture says, yes, you should do this. And the Bible says, no, you shouldn't. For instance, in Japan, most of you know that I am, you know, a missionary kid. And so I grew up in Japan. Well, it, um, Japanese funerals, part of it is things that we would feel is um, idol worship is, is very culturally required. And so that's a challenge in, in Japan. And then the, the, the reverse side of things that the Bible says you should do and culture says you should not do. I guess it, it may be for American culture, non-Christians would say paying tithes. Well, that's an odd thing to do, um, but the Bible says you should do that. So, so right. things like that where culture, those are the, are the problem areas and we never um, compromise on those areas. But we also are not missionaries of, of American culture. And so it is not our job when we go to the foreign field, to bring people American culture. Similarly, it is not our job to take Christian American culture to the whole world, even in America. I love America, Mm -hmm. but it is not my job to make, you know, people of the exact same culture as me out of everybody that comes to my church, even in America, so, if there's areas, we need to be careful not to be too set in our ways. What do you mean, guess, do you mean as far as, in,
1: we, are you saying you don't want to make other people in your church exact replica of who you are as far so as So, that's part of
0: it. But then also, I think sometimes it's it, because if we've grown up in America our whole life and done church the same way, it's hard for us to at times separate what is cultural tradition, even church culture, not just, in my case, right. Caucasian American, Midwestern culture, um, which technically is different from a West Coast culture or an East Coast culture. Um, and those are all separate cultures. So you mean as far as like um, how we do
1: our but, worship and how right. we hold our services? Right, even live,
0: Right, or maybe, yeah, things like that. So like we go, Japan's an easier one because it's a totally different culture, but there's nothing that says we must keep shoes on in the church, right? And so in Japan, there are some churches that, that everybody... Keeps their shoes on, but that's not how most um, buildings used to be in Japan. Now it's kind of a mix, so it's not as big of an issue. When my parents first went, it was more normal to take your shoes off when you went in a building. And so there's nothing wrong with doing that. And so the more accommodating you can be to a culture, um, the better, I think. Because you the last thing you want, and this is a problem I think Christianity has in Japan, is that people see it as a um, Western culture religion. Well, of course, we know that's not true. If anything, it's a Middle Eastern religion, right. not an American religion or, or Western culture religion. And so I think doing our best to accommodate diverse cultures to win them is beneficial. I think that's a point that we should kind of start Part out of the from. difficulty is finding
1: the commonality or the common grounds of where to start from.
0: One thing right. that comes
1: to mind is like the Muslim faith. As far as being oneness apostolic, we share that the the simple fact that we believe that there's one God. No, scrap that. I don't want to talk about that.
0: Well, I think that that is a good kind of brings up a, a good point is that some cultures are more challenging because their culture is so interwoven with their religion. Right. And so when you're talking to someone of Muslim faith... To ask them, well, can you tell me about your culture, but leave out the religion part? They're going to laugh in your face. Right. You, you know what it, I mean? Just like their, to me, if you're culture. like, well, you know, it is their culture. and, and There's so, no separation for church and state with them. That's the... Right, so it does make it challenging. When we're talking about accommodating culture, where does culture stop? And now we're talking about a false religion right um but i do think kind of a good place to start you 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 talked about this well where do you start and i think the first start first point to start is be interested first in other people just be interested in people i think that's a a basic part of being um a preacher a pastor a minister you got to be interested in people and as an extension of that being interested in people's culture right um and so, because I am i don't understand you, you're from, I don't know, Burma. I have no idea yeah. what Burma is like, but I'm interested in you. So, I want to know about Burmese culture. I think starting with that interest, right. we'll, it makes me think we'll of, cover a lot of other mistakes. It makes me
1: think of uh, what Brother Williams said, Chad Williams said in the last interview, which you guys did a great job in, by the way. Sorry, I couldn't be there. Thank you. Thank you. Too busy having That's a baby. Okay. Micah Finley, six pounds. Your wife was. so I'm not really
0: sure why you weren't on the podcast, but (laughs) I know. I don't know
1: why she wanted me to be there. I'm like, honey, you're doing everything. (laughs) What am I going to do? Right. Exactly. (laughs) I don't think she's, I don't think we're (laughs) joking.
0: Yeah. We're joking. My wife does listen. So I'm sorry, honey.
1: (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to offend the, you know, the, the handful of ladies that, that listen to our podcast, primarily our wives (laughs) and Jenny and Jenny. (laughs) Love you, Jenny. Um, but that's the whole idea of, you know, being interested in their story because that's, that yeah. encompasses who they are. That, that's, that's the one thing about the American nation, about the United States is that we, more so than any other country, we embrace other cultures so much so that you can go to places like LA. And I remember going to a Bank of America in uh outside of highland park and literally there were no signs in 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 uh, english every sign was only in spanish and everybody primarily spoke spanish obviously there were people that spoke english but nothing was written in english in the whole place and you can go to uh koreatown and you'll go into a store and nothing is in english Everything is in right. their native, their native uh, language. The surgeon and I worked at in LA was in little Tokyo. And we would have uh, one of the surgeons, one of the main surgeons actually was Japanese. And so he would do a lot of uh, cataract procedures on Japanese patients. And there were Japanese patients that lived in the United States of America for, for over 40 years. And they still didn't speak any English. There was yeah. no other country that you can do that and get away with that. Like this country, yeah. you know, we we embrace that. And so asking them, you know, what having them tell us what is your story and being interested in that. I mean, there's nothing people love more than sharing their culture, their uh belief, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: And I think I think that brings up another point we were discussing, you know, in our prep talk, is that we can't really assume that any individual is like a generic person of their culture. Right. Like, oh, I know everything about you because I met one Japanese person <laughs> and you're Japanese. So you must be just <laughs> like them. <laughs> and I think sometimes it can be easy to do that because they're so foreign and we're not used to them. And of course we would laugh at that if it was about our culture and realize how varied personalities there are within our culture, even within our family, which is like a micro culture um, and so I think that is important to remember We're the, really the point isn't, um, the culture so much as that individual story, but that col- that story is often, um, colored by and better explained by culture. Right. And so, so that, that so we do want to keep, keep that in mind that we're not talking about, yeah, that's a, you know, you know we, to we would make that, yeah. Assumptions
1: right. don't really, never really pan out. When no, You start Assuming things, that's when... When trouble that that lead, leads way to errors, which can offend people and will scare them away before they even start to open up.
0: And the problem is that we all assume things. Well, it's just a matter of verbalizing pers- those assumptions, like being able
1: to have a have a filter there, and you know, yeah, the and recognize thing is, that you have them. Right, exactly. Because we we preface this this episode by saying we're assuming that nobody's racist. And, and that's true because right. I don't think negative about any, any other race. Like, you know, I'm married to my wife. She's half Mexican, half Creole. Uh, and I love her culture and I love her family. Um, and they've embraced me. But when you grow up, there are still these, there are still thoughts that, that come into your mind that it's almost like you can't help it. You know what I mean? it's not that it's negative things, but it doesn't it doesn't mean either that I'm gonna go and just start blurting things out that that these right. stereotypes want that creep into my mind and a lot of that has to do with media uh, I think media is yeah. terrible with that because they they yeah. feed off that uh especially nowadays and we don't need to get into all that but uh media uh both Hollywood's type and news. They create these stereotypes.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And it's just, it's important for us to not, when we feel those assumptions coming in, when we feel those stereotypes, uh, initially, we need to disregard those. I feel like praying against those things, uh, pleading the blood against those things because, uh, because those can be, uh, relationship killers and, and will build walls uh, where we don't want walls to be built.
0: Yeah. And that kind of leads us into another point we wanted to make is that we must never make racial jokes or comments, even if the other person is making them. I've been in situations where a minister has turned off probably two thirds of of the audience because of jokes he was making that some of the people thought were funny. And they weren't singling out a person necessarily, and they were funny instances, but because they were strung together by a person of this race and a person of this race, and it was all, and then switched to, okay, from now we're done with that race, now this race. So it was very racial in overtones that that setting, which wasn't a church service, but that setting turned very hostile for that person. And as far, I mean, for years, um, there was a little, that wall never completely got broken down. And those are people who were already saved. Yeah and who already had a relationship with that person as far as they went to the same church. So can you imagine how much more detrimental it would be if it was someone you're trying to witness to? Oh, man. You know, no. and even if they make a joke. And and I honestly, I am bad about this because I used to say, and this is such a dumb thing to say, I don't know why I said it, but I would say, well, if you can't laugh about race, then you're racist. And that's such an ignorant thing to say. And I used to say it um, not that long ago well, either. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I guess you have to know your audience. Um, That was a that was something a pastor wisely told me when I told a joke that was really as far as racial overtones was very minor, and I told it in a setting where someone of a similar race was there, and they laughed. I mean, nobody that was offended, but there was that tinge of awkwardness there and he said tim you got to know your audience and i was like man what he said is a yeah. joke but it was such wise words and i took that to heart and i've i is to the best of my knowledge i've never made another racial joke since and that, it wasn't that long ago either to be honest i probably like a uh, maybe a year ago yeah man i've been um, in i've been in some services where well i didn't i didn't say it from the pulpit thankfully no, no, it was no, a I, small I, group I, no i'm
1: not saying you did but i have been you know oh you're sitting there and your jaw almost drops and you just look up and you're like did I yeah. did, did those like you just did those words really just exit yeah. that person's mouth? Like you just are like, what were you thinking, man? And then I always kinda like look around <laughs> see what other people are you know. Yeah. Are, are people looking down? You know, then there's just this awkward and man, it's just like you said, if there's anything that kills a spirit, man, you just lose so many people. Yeah. And most of the time it's not even needed.
0: No, it's not. So obviously we want to not offend them. I think that's kind of common sense. It feels sense. like it should be. I would like to think it should be. Um, hopefully it is, but don't offend them. Let's leave it at that. And, and I mean, just err on the side of not being stupid let's just leave or it ignorant, there I guess. Um, so beyond yeah ignorant that's a better word because i'm not supposed to say that word because my kid might learn it adventures of a father of a son learning to talk or to talks Ain't that talks and repeats truth. all too well um anyway so 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 that's established that's baseline so what's next and this kind of goes back to being interested in other cultures i think the first step is ask them right if it's if if i meet someone and and that most people like to talk about themselves, and they're not going to be offended if you're not an idiot about it. Just ask them from a genuine point of interest. Wow, I've never met someone from from Laos. What what what's your culture like? And 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 not such a generic question because that's really hard to answer. Like, what if someone's like, "What's America like?" Well, how do you answer that? But have some questions like so. Wow. So what, what is your, you know, what's unique about your food or and start from food? Because food's an easy place to talk about, right? you know, and then branch out from there and just listen for everything they say that you don't quite understand and ask questions about it. And people like to talk about themselves and like to talk about where they're, where they're from. And I, that's one thing my dad is a, incredible at. I have never met someone that, well, well, the first time we meet him, my dad almost always, first thing he says, is, where are you from? And from there, my dad knows something about every place on earth. I'm convinced of it. Or knows someone that lives there. It's funny how many times people would be like, oh, I'm from here. He's like, oh, yeah, I have a good pastor friend from there. Some of my favorite people on earth. Wow. And uh, another story, a, a terrible story, was long enough ago that uh, it's safe to tell. But we were sitting at a, in a small Bible study setting had this new military family that was looking for a church, had religious back or Christian background, but not Pentecostal. I'm uh, very hungry, very open, very friendly, had come to our church. It, it was a, a at church Bible study, but a smaller group setting. We're sitting on a table and, and my dad asked, Oh, where are you from? Or, oh, we're from Texas. And I was like, Oh, that's great. I, you know, I love Texas. And then next thing you know, this lady said, the only thing I like about Texas is when I left. That place is place's most miserable place on earth and you could just see the people just like shut down this was at As the church service the was over said that? this was at church yeah oh yeah and i mean i'm sure the lady had no idea what she was saying she was just talking but don't say stuff like that if you hated right. the place and you don't mention that there's something good to find about every place i always say that paul said i found i was able to be content in every state i found myself so, that, that includes Texas and Montana. Um, so, you can find something big in Wyoming too. But a- anywhere you are, you can find something good about that place. I've never lived in a place that I did not enjoy um, something about it. Um, and so, so, find the positive. Focus on the positive and ask questions. Um, asking questions, we talked about this last episode too, is such a powerful witnessing tool anyways. And so, when someone right. is from another culture, that just like opens the, 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 the box of, of so many questions you can ask. Not that, and, but then it reciprocates he, that,
1: then they're interested in what you have to say, you know. Definitely.
0: And, and when people too, and that's a great opportunity to invite people over for a cultural dinner, Well, it happens to be Thanksgiving dinner where you're going to learn about my culture, which is very much tied in with my religion or, you know, and things like that. And I've actually found that talking that a lot of, you know, um, exchange students don't just want to come to learn at our colleges and learn our language. They want our culture, too. And so they're happy to come over to someone's house for Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. Um, so that's a great opportunity for outreach, is to contact your local college. Say, hey, do you have any international students who don't have a place to go? It's a great thing to do for Muslim students. You would be shocked how many Muslim students are happy to come for a Christmas dinner if they're if they don't have family in the area. Huh. And um, you know, I I, I haven't personally had that, but I there's a there's a preacher um, who is actually a missionary to the to Muslims in America. I'm trying to remember, Stephen Bennett is his name. And uh, I've talked with him quite a bit. And he's talked about how many opportunities he's had in situations like that with Muslims that come. And they're they're very much open to hearing about the culture of even Christianity. So, that's one outreach. And the other thing that's similar to being interested is read about it. If you're witnessing right. to someone... Go online, watch some YouTube videos of like search National Geographic and where they 're from or Lonely Planet or something like that, or just search where they 're from and watch some videos about it. I guarantee you there 's a documentary about it everywhere on Earth. Learn a lot or read some books about it. Go to the library and check some books out and and then you 're going to have that much more detailed questions to ask and I guarantee you if you have a conversation with someone and then you come back, maybe it 's your barber or it's, you know, you eat at the same Chinese restaurant every time and they told you they're from a specific city and you go online and find something specific about that city to ask them about, that is going to leave a huge impression. And when people feel important to you, they're very happy to listen to what you You have to say. I think
1: another thing is kind of knowing what the demographics are in the city that you're trying to reach or the area that you're trying to reach. Uh, All that stuff's online and uh, easily accessible. Uh, but definitely knowing what the population like is at, uh, what the what the differences are as far as what the majority of the population is. You know, obviously, if you live in places like LA, you're going to have everything. Um, but if you live in places like up here where I'm at in Oregon, uh, Portland is relatively diverse, but Oregon as a state, the Northwest as a region uh, is not that diverse. Um, There is growing uh, diversity. Uh, Portland's motto is keep it weird. Um, (laughs) But, and you would think being a a metropolis, being a, a, you know, growing city, there would be more diversity, but there really is is culture-wise, there's not as much as I thought. Now, I grew up in Southern Oregon um, and Southern Oregon is a very very uh, Caucasian area. Um, there is uh, immigrants, quite a few immigrants that that had were up there. That uh, Hispanic culture, but not a lot of diversity at all. Um, really, that was about it. Those are the two majorities. Um, for instance, I mean, going to high school, there might have been three or four African American kids. Yeah, I mean, it was. There were not many at all. Not a whole lot of, um, Asian Pacific Islanders, uh, n- you know, any of the Eastern, uh, countries. In fact, I think somewhere in Southern Oregon was like a booming area for the KKK, unfortunately. Um, oh, wow. and thankfully it's not like that anymore, but it takes a while for a region to grow out of those stereotypes. As far as yeah. how people look at them from the outside. But that didn't really affect me. I, I mean, the first place I moved to was Los Angeles and, uh, the first church I went to, the only, uh, Caucasian Americans was myself, my pastor, pastor's wife and their daughter. Um, we had a pretty diverse group of people, uh, a lot of Filipinos, um, we had a Spanish church that had their own congregation, but we also had a, a group of uh, Mexican-Americans that were going to the church as well. And then African-Americans and um, Koreans and uh, there was just a large, uh, just a diverse group, something that I wasn't used to, but I loved and I appreciated it. I don't know if it's because uh, when I was a freshman in college, junior, sophomore in college, freshman in college. I went to New York. I uh, went to Manhattan for two weeks, and I just absolutely loved it. Uh, in fact, when I I had talked about it when be when we before we moved to Portland, I was either going to move to Manhattan or Portland, but I just loved that that the the culture and the diversity that that was in those cities because you just didn't get it in Southern Oregon. Um, I just fell in love with it and that's what drew me. Part of the reason is what drew me to LA, just the diversity, the, all the things that I would discover that you just don't find in small, fairly small rural, uh, towns or cities. I guess Medford is technically a city as far as it's decent sized population. I think 300,000, but, um, there's just not a whole lot of diversity there. But I think uh, one area that we could talk about is, you know, things that are more specific to within the confines of the church or what we do in a typical
0: service. Um, and I know you had a couple points. Yeah, I think one that um, pretty much cross-cultural, cross-all cultures that are non-Pentecostal is just don't touch people in their head without... Their permission. And really it used to be more acceptable within America, but I think more and more it's becoming less acceptable. It's just strange. What other part of society do people get touched by a stranger on their head? Right, It's very unusual. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do that in the church, but I think, you know, it doesn't break the flow of the spirit to talk to people. Uh, you know, sometimes when I'm praying with people, you know, I stop, I'm like, hey, stop a second. And then I ask them some questions and that can be strange for some people to do that because you think, well, they're praying for the Holy Ghost, we should just let them pray. Well, no, it's okay. You can you can stop people and say, hey, is, do you mind if I pray for you and, and you know, lay my hand on your head? And if they look at all scared, say, oh, it, it's okay. Can I touch your hand or can I touch your shoulder or I don't have to touch you at all. You can kind of gauge it um, that way. In some cultures, it's extremely rude to touch someone's head. Right. But even if it's not a cultural thing, I think just on a, on a personal level, it's just awkward and typically going to distract much more than it's going to yeah. help. I really wish
1: Nigel was here because that's one thing about Nigel, man. He, he gets that whole, I remember when he was praying for yeah. me a couple times in chapel and he gets that whole, and I got a shiny head. So, uh, and I ain't got much hair to mess up, but man, when he starts praying and, and I didn't mind it, you know, cause I, yeah. I'm used to it. But I'm just kind of curious as to what he, how he does that, especially evangelizing now.
0: I know personally, I don't pray for people. Like, I don't go down the line praying for people myself anyways. I um, mean, in some other episode, we'll probably talk about about that at some point. Um, altar
1: working type of...
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tend to be more, I tend to step back more and try to be more intentional about a specific person I'm going to go pray with. Um, I try to follow the spirit. Sometimes I know things, you know, just just naturally, not like creepy know things or anything, but, um, and so that might lead me to pray with someone. Other times I try to wait and have the spirit lead me, but, but we'll talk about that in some other episode. So I think that's the first one. The other thing that I know is very specific, um, in Japan. But I would venture a guess that in many, many cultures, this would be true. And really, this is not necessary in any culture. So it's good to just avoid it. And that is to single someone out from the pulpit or to put extreme pressure on someone individually, especially. Um, Actually, this is an interesting story. When my dad was fairly new in Japan, he was riding on a train and uh, this man started talking to him that was sitting next to him. And my dad never heard from this man again, but uh, he asked my dad, you know, what he's doing. He so oh, I'm a missionary. He said, Nick, you know, well, what, what are you, what's your unique thing? What are you teaching? Well, that kind of explained our doctrine. And the man said, you know, you're going to have people that tell you that Japanese people don't like your doctrine. He said, but I think they're wrong. He said, I don't think Japanese people have any problem with your doctrine. He said, here's what you're going to find Japanese people will have problem with. If you single them out, this is the I mean, essentially the words used, of course, it's Japanese, so it's translated. But he said, if you single them out and say, Mr. So-and-so, would you like to be baptized tonight? He said, they will say yes. They will come because they, in Japan, especially, you must submit to the authority. And as the minister, you are the authority. And so they will come get baptized and you'll never see them again. Or would you like to, even if you think you're being kind and say, would you like to come to the front and pray? Well, that's not really a question to them. That's saying you need to come to the front and pray. Now, come to the front and pray as hard as you can imagine. They will look just like everybody else in that room. They will do their best to imitate everyone there. But they're not really praying. They're embarrassed out of their mind. Right. And the moment they leave, they will never come back. And then we had a few instances of things kind of like that where a visiting minister was warned and didn't take that uh, warning. And um, some of our people had worked really hard to get their coworkers to come they finally came for one service and that minister essentially ruined all opportunity of reaching that oh, person. Man. And even in the workplace would completely avoid this lady. And uh, finally she tried and tried and said, I, I'm so sorry. Let, you know, let me look uh, and talk to my dad, Tried to buy him lunch. Finally, he he agreed to to he talked to the lady there and said he said I'm not if that's what your church does I'm not interested in it I was never more embarrassed in my life and how do you really, it, it yeah. just it it's completely unnecessary it goes back to our personal culture of we like to shake people around and and we feel that that, that somehow that that bestows the spirit on them I guess but that's not true at all well, and I know so, I mean that applies
1: to I mean. I remember when a, a buddy of mine was visiting me down in L.A. and he it was my best friend growing up, still one of my best friends. And uh, he came to visit me, and he came to the service with me. And he said, "Ryan, I do not want them to say my. I don't want them to say my name because they had him fill out a visitor card." I kind of understood that because I was kind. I'm kind of the same way. Like that was always kind of awkward for me. Yeah, to be. I don't know. Maybe back in the day that was more of like a it seems like a friendly thing to do but i just i don't know sometimes people don't uh, especially nowadays i don't know don't like that spotlight to be placed on them especially in the yeah, church I setting i agree in fact now that I'm think about it, it's almost like man on the visitor card you, you should there should be a spot that says
0: do you mind if we announce your name over the you know from the pulpit or something it's like yeah <laughs> my my personal opinion is there are some people who, well, so, so we've had this discussion in our church, um, within the staff. And what I feel like, and, and some of those have felt like, and kind of what we have decided is, we, cause we've always done, does anyone want to introduce their guest that they have brought with them? Or if you're a first time guest, introduce yourself. And we would make them stand and introduce themselves. Well, we had personal, personal words of people who were not comfortable with that, who did not like that at all, who did not feel welcomed by that. And that's, of course, what we're trying to do. Right. And so we decided we weren't going to do that anymore and just do a general, if this is your first time, we're so glad you're here, right. kind of welcome. And, and to me, even if, you, if people feel like they like that, they like the recognition, they still are not going to feel like it's a friendly church just based on that. And, and I heard a statement that I really liked. Someone said, people are not looking for a friendly church, they're looking for a friend. And so, if someone finds one person that's friendly to them, or preferably two or three that's friendly to them, that church is friendly in their perspective. But if you announce their name and say, oh, we're so glad you're here, but then after church, no one shakes their hand. They walk out. That's not a friendly church. And so, to me, even if they're not acknowledged at all, even if you were to have no point of saying, we're glad you're here from the pulpit, but as soon as church was over, someone was like, Hey man, I'm so glad you're here. You know, what brought you here? Oh, you hurt. Okay, cool. And Oh, you, you have a youth. Well, let me introduce you to this family that has someone similar to your situation and you guys are going to hit off. And then you introduce them and you don't leave, you stay there and then they're connected. And then, Hey, let me take you out to lunch or so, you know, that's a friendly church. Yeah. And so to me, I agree with you. Get, I think we get rid of that. Welcoming people from, you know, on a, now, maybe it would work in a church of, say, like if you're a smaller church, 20, 25, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, I think, to to introduce someone. But even in that setting, I don't think it's necessary. And I think it's better to go ahead and set the standard instead of having to try to change it once you grow.
1: Now, I think it's really important, though, what you're talking about as far as having a... that they they want a friend because it's very... we're, we're like fighting against the way our culture is moving here. Right. And that is a very enclosed you know nobody has open open front doors anymore nobody's out on the porch rocking you know rocking in their uh in in their rocking chair you know sipping on iced tea uh you know like my grandparent my grandpa who knew everybody on his stretch of road highway that was like five miles long he knew every neighbor he could talk to every neighbor um and and i think as, as a church we can't get sucked into that because it's easy to just, well, once church is over, oh man, I, I, you know, we got a lot of things to do. We need, we got home. We have a yeah. routine, you know, I, cause I can say personally, one of the things that I loved about Harvest Tabernacle when I went there was that people were inviting me out to lunch. People were inviting yeah. me over to their house. Um, yeah. people were embracing me. And, and to be honest with you, I, I've felt myself getting to be that way because I'm busy. I'm tired. Yep. I got all these kids at home. Yeah, is all this stuff going on? We kind of get by a little bit because we do meals after every service, after every Sunday yeah. service. Uh, so Which we I have that. Great. Yeah, so we have that time of fellowship. Um, yeah, but our, our reach needs to extend past that. Um, it For needs sure. to 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 fall into the week, and it, I know just personally, like my own personal conviction lately is just not taking as much responsibility for that rather than, you know, basically blaming it on whether or not we have a a person who follows up with the vet, the guests or the visitors. Um, And if, well, that's not my duty or my assignment. So then, you know, why am I going to do that? But the reality is, is that if, if Joey wouldn't have taken the time to befriend me, to invest in me uh then i probably wouldn't be sitting here on this podcast with you right now um yeah and and that's that's the reality of it and i don't want to be i don't want to miss that opportunity to instill that into someone else's life who's definitely you know who maybe had a walk with god and and walked away and now was coming back and they came in through our doors they 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 you know um darken the doorstep of our church only for one time because they didn't feel that that love and that desire. No matter right. what their cultural background is, no matter what their yeah. their what their make or model. Don't don't say that. What their? <laughs> uh, hey, t- no, I'm giving good. you lots of editing. I'm
0: getting you giving you lots of editing stuff. No, I'm leaving that in. because That's good. You know. You know. Um, <clears throat> hey, doesn't matter if you are a Geo Metro or you are a Lamborghini, you still need an oil change you know? That's the truth. I'm just kidding. I'm editing it, it, that, that out because <laughs> I'm in no way implying that one race is a Geo Metro <laughs> and another race is a Lamborghini. <laughs> I did that on purpose.
1: <laughs> it's just that the Lamborghini's oil change is going to cost you about 300 bucks. The Geo Metro That's costs right. you 18, 18.99 at Jiffy Lube.
0: Right. Um, And if you don't oil change it, you can replace it for about 18.99. Right. anyways. Yeah. <laughs> literally literally
1: it's funny you said geometro because i owned a geometro in high school that's funny i i never did yeah there's nothing to write home about i can tell you that right now (laughs) they're a starter car that's what that's what i call them yeah a beginner car um but that you know that that boils down to that love aspect Uh, i feel like you know that the charity you know first you know Chapter 13, First Corinthians. It loves all things. It hopes on all things, you know, and that literally is all things. That's all people.
0: Yeah. And really, I like the way this has turned out. We didn't plan it this way. But cross-cultural ministry is, in in detail, there's differences, but essentially, it's no different than just ministry. Ministry is serving people. Cross-cultural ministry is serving people. Right. Outreach is loving people and being interested in people and cross-cultural outreach is loving people and being interested in people. And that's just what being a Christian is. And so really it boils down to this whole episode is a waste of time because you just treat people <laughs> like they're people. It doesn't matter what culture they're from. It's not really. That's not true because there are here. specifics. There are specifics that sometimes we have to be aware of. And the way we serve people is going to be different based on how they're going to feel served. Well, I think
1: we I think, Sometimes it's okay to talk about what we feel like is obvious. Yeah. Because sometimes it's not obvious. Right. I think one big thing with culture uh, is the the language barrier. Um, That's true. We haven't talked about that. And not being afraid to talk to somebody. I'll say this. When I first moved to LA, I was working at Children's Hospital Los Angeles and I was... I still am. I still have a desire to learn, to learn Spanish. But anyways, I was talking to this girl that worked on the unit and she didn't speak hardly any English. She spoke mostly Spanish. And I, we actually went on a date and it was so funny because we didn't plan on doing this, but I, so I picked her up and before I went and picked her up, I went and bought a translator and she had got a translator. Before we before we we uh, went out, and so we both were sitting there talking and translating. Um, so you are essentially like texting each other.
0: Basically, yeah, it was <laughs> before texting was a thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was fun, and we and we we remained friends and stuff before. And then once I moved out of moved out of L A, we kind of lost touch. But there are ways to get around that, and I think you know, here I am being scatterbrained because it, it just hit my it just crossed my mind when we went to paris my wife and i the one thing they told us or that the advice that i got from from people who had been there was to show interest in trying to speak their language that's one yeah. thing that they appreciate It to you you may sound like a numbskull because you can't hardly say anything but they appreciate that
0: yeah they appreciate the effort and and
1: i think here you know they get enough of the people that that say you know you're in america speak english this and that and part yeah. of me says you know i can understand that cuz if i lived in another if i lived in another country i would make an effort to learn that language but as a church and as a people and trying to find a way to connect making an effort to try to learn that language at least communicate with them um, and not being afraid of that barrier well you know, i mean you 're bilingual i don 't know maybe trilingual i don 't know what all how many
0: languages you speak well on a on a personal level, it bugs me when people make no effort to speak english but that 's something I have to get over because and i' i 've been convicted of it because in the past, I have not had the right attitude, but as a Christian, am I willing to say i 'll be happy to to tell you how to get to heaven once you learn English until then, tough luck. Right. Because essentially, that's the attitude some of us have, that's true. you know, realistically. And, and that may sound harsh, but that's the attitude I've had in the past. I'm just being honest. And I've really had to reevaluate, even over the last year, really, my attitude in that sense. And I've I've never been a racist at all. I don't have a problem with any race, but I still have that attitude of, I don't know if it's Americans' arrogance or what, which I guess that's kind of sort of... <laughs> cultural stereotype against myself. (laughs) I don't know. Well, what do people think in
1: Japan? I mean, you grew up in Japan. You were there. uh, You know, what did the Japanese people feel or how did they feel about people who would be there and would refuse to try to learn Japanese?
0: Oh, see, it would annoy me so much and I would be mad at them. But Japanese people, even to this day, it's amazing when... If if an American goes up to a Japanese person, tries to speak English to them, they will sometimes think Japanese people are rude because the Japanese person will kind of like wave their hand and walk away or something. (laughs) But the reason is is because they feel extremely embarrassed that they are not skilled enough in English to communicate. Huh? Even in Japan, because that's just how how courteous they are, and it's amazing. I don't. Does that include like other languages like Spanish and No, 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 no. Just English because it's such a universal language okay um and they're you know they've they've taken the lessons in school if they've gone even if they have never gone past ninth grade they've had at least three years of english and yet the english is taught by teachers who for the most part have never been to an english speaking language and they learn from someone who had never been to an english speaking country so you know there's a limitation and and even the language the way it's taught is by grammar instead of by natural speaking so it's like
1: me taking spanish but right
0: yeah and so they feel very embarrassed that they're not able to communicate with you and so to avoid that embarrassment sometimes they will act in a way that some americans think is rude because they're they're like oh they're not they're willing to help me you know and so but they're they're that embarrassed um that they can't speak english so they're very opposite of how i'm but i even in japan sometimes would feel like speak my language and well it's not really my language but um you know <laughs> i think that's just tim being yeah. tim it's it, i think so yeah it, it's funny <laughs> i would be like if you're gonna come to my country learn my language and people would look at me like like i would say it kind of half jokingly but they would look at me like, "What are you? You're blonde hair, blue. Right. What are you talking about? Your country, your language." Which is why I could get away with it because it seemed funny. And you walk Even away muttering Japanese. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I think we could keep talking quite a bit on this topic, um, and maybe we'll revisit a uh, offshoot of this when Nigel can get on. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I know, because, the one thing I was going to say was a. Lo- uh, some churches have gone to it and I've been
1: involved with some churches who have had it where they have, uh, if they have enough, if they have a large enough group of, of a certain language speaking people, then they can set up interpreters. I've been uh, in, I know at ABI, every once in a while they would have, uh, they would actually have a bilingual service. So, they have, uh, and you have to be pretty skilled in that, uh, especially if you're the translator, to really yeah. help the Spirit, to really uh, not make it be a hindrance uh when they're trying to wait for the for the uh, interpretation but there's a church across town who they have they hold a couple different services or they have uh services that are held only in certain languages um which in uh, i think it's nepalese they have a nepalese group that meets there. yeah um and the in their services strictly in in Nepalese. But the most important thing is showing them Jesus. Right. Right. So however we can do that, and you know, I just pray that, you know, in our church that God will lead us to certain people who can speak both languages, who could be that that interpreter and and be able to um uh, help us to reach those people to be that to bridge that gap that can be there. That cultural yeah, and language gap.
0: I'm not going to go off on this topic because we could talk about this a long time it would open up a can of worms. But I hope that we are all praying, regardless of our political persuasion, that we are praying that whatever refugees have already been admitted to America or any that would be admitted to America, whatever country they come from, whatever the vetting process that we think is appropriate or not, that we would do everything in our power to give them the gospel, and that God would open doors. could it be that God brought them to America for that purpose, whatever we think politically are we going to be a you know whether we 're liberal or conservative are we going to identify primarily as that concert or that Christian or that um political position or c- Christian because if we are going to be a Christian first, we must reach them and we must love them. I, I, I'm not going to take a long time on this, but that's kind of a hot topic or at least a refugee status. Oh, yeah. Um, and yet from a Christian perspective, whether they get in or not, I can't really do much about. But if they get in, I'm going to do everything I can to reach them. You know? And maybe, hey, maybe you might even get to one of those terrorists that snuck in and win them and prevent a terror attack. Anything How about that? possible. I'm gonna close out here and say, give a shout out to, uh,
1: Micah Finley. Born six pounds, 15 ounces. He's doing good, eating, sleeping, doing all those baby things. But it wouldn't be right if I didn't give him a little shout out. And of course, Mrs. Goff for taking care of all the boys and, and, uh, bringing him into the world safely.
0: Yeah. Sorry. I didn't, uh, mention. I, I can't remember. You haven't been on since then, right? Yeah, because the last yeah, episode so, was
1: with uh, Brother Williams. Right.
0: So congratulations, Ryan, on your new child. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should
1: have done that at the beginning. Okay. I know where my family stands <laughs> in your eyes.
0: No, yeah, just kidding. The end. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We've had many conversations. Since, yes, we have. About recording. No, I'm just. Um, kidding. Micah, I hope you're listening. You better be listening because you have a lot of expectations. So hope you already. As long as they're archived, know, plugged I'll, in, I'll and claimed. They'll, they'll have, have
1: something to remember me by.
0: Yes. I'm like, man, did my dad really f- sound
1: like that? <sighs>
0: <sighs> no, they'll, by the time our kids are old enough to be going for their license or whatever, they'll be like, podcast. Yes. <laughs> you guys were alive when they did podcast? MP3s? That was so 21st century. You guys were alive when they made Apple? <laughs> what a dumb product name. Apple, who names their product after a fruit? But
1: in reality, it's going to be like, yeah, man, did you still, did they still have tape players?
0: Like, you actually remember that? Did you actually have yeah. any? And I'm like, so daddy, was your podcast on an yeah. eight track? <laughs> was that at the same time? <laughs> it's going to feel like the same time. It is. It, it I it already, like, honestly, I sometimes I try to keep track and we were kind of talking about how now Facebook has stories and how they're, everything is copying everything but it's like I can't keep up with all these even like I tried to kind of do Snapchat a little bit and it's just like too exhausting know, to keep up really with is. and it's like you have to do Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and it's like too much you know speaking of Twitter oh <laughs> go ahead. I was just gonna say at no point has it ever been
1: so necessary to document by picture <laughs> or video
0: of, I of so many daily things like, and it's like how hours. much time we waste of trying to figure out how we're going to best frame <sighs> it especially the especially
1: internet. the people that do Instagram seriously like oh yeah I mean I don't want I don't, don't want to know how many pictures were taken edited <laughs> yeah. just to get that one
0: I mean hours but even like Facebook it's like when my kid does something cute instead of enjoying that it's like okay how can I make this sound even cuter yeah. for my Facebook audience are like, okay, we're going to the beach. Okay, wait, no, let's not sit there because okay. that's not going to be the best picture <laughs> and spend all this effort of how can I engineer the best Facebook post oh. to make everybody think I live this amazing life? How about just live the amazing life? I, don't I know. just
1: did that a little bit last night, though, because I was after I f- posted that video of Silas, I, when, I, when I was posting it, I was like, okay, how can I wear this so that people right. might no, actually I watch the too. video? <laughs> it's like you get yeah, sucked into it. I do it, too. It, it's...
0: It's like, it's ridiculous we waste so much brain power. Uh, whatever, I'm not going to rant on that. We've already been ranting for... See, I was hoping the anyways, music, I was
1: hoping that cool strumming would be playing when I gave my shout out to Micah, and you just had to go and ruin
0: it. I, I'll make sure that cool strumming is playing while you're giving your shout out to Micah. I will take out what I need to of of my own quality rant. To make sure that they're you know, strumming. You know, Even if I have to loop yeah, the I strumming. Was gonna say, you, you,
1: we, they, they won't do behind the pulpit podcast and then we'll, we'll yeah. still be talking.
0: <laughs> oh, that's happened before and then I'm like, okay, no, I should fix it. Uh, no. I don't think anybody listens that long anyways. Mere says she, she turns it off as soon as the music I starts actually did.
1: I heard it. It was actually kind of funny the, the one time. It's only yeah, happened right? like once and I actually kind of liked it. It was kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to start doing more and more uh, rewards for those <laughs> listeners who actually stick it out to the end with that being said the end has come if you have not already we encourage you to like us on Facebook that's where we primarily are interacting at this point maybe send us a message let us know that you're listening and what you're liking things you like to hear we really want to interact with our audience we don't just want to be have a one-sided conversation we want you to talk back and until next time remember Wait, and you can gotta, go to uh,
1: Nigel's Facebook page and tell him how much you missed him on this episode. That would be
0: great. Everybody, <laughs> go to Nigel Ali's Facebook page and write on his wall or message him. You could message him; that's fine too if you're not already friends with him.
1: He's gonna have. Or he's go on five behind people.
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. Me and you, yeah. and maybe one of Jenny will do it too. <laughs> Jenny, and a meta, maybe. Yeah. I'll have Jenny. Um, she's not gonna listen this long, Rob anyways. Will do it. But yes. Um, Rob, yes, we're counting on you, man. Um, or go to our, our behind the pulpit page and maybe write on the wall, say, man, where was Nigel? That would be great. Anyways, until next time, remember you matter to the kingdom of God behind the pulpit podcast (laughs) behind the pulpit podcast.
1: I don't know, man. I don't think it was all that bad.